It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Faster my crazy day, my pack commute, all those unread emails in my inbox. But I'm getting stronger, faster, and pushing myself further every day. I don't care if I'm not like everyone else. This punching bag is the best way to end my day. Fearless is knowing yoga isn't your style. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits at fepblue.org slash get more. Locked on Titans. Your daily podcast on the Tennessee Titans. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And welcome to Locked On Titans, your daily source for all Titans news and information with your host, Terry McCormick of Titan Insider. Greg Arias and former Tennessee Titan Pro Bowl left tackle Brad Hopkins. It's Friday, guys. Brad is back with us, and we've got a lot of things, of course, to cover today. Our current news segment, we'll also discuss the upcoming game with Miami, give you our predictions on the games and our final thoughts. And let's jump right in, guys, to the current news, where obviously everything about this game at this point in time surrounds the Hurricane Matthew that uh, has hit the Florida coast overnight, Thursday night, early this morning on Friday. And it seems like that perhaps Miami has averted the worst of the storm and not taken a direct hit from this, and possibly the game will go on, guys, as scheduled on Sunday at the normal time. Obviously, of course, there's still some damage assessment to be done. But if everything checks out, if there's power, obviously, then I think this game is played in Miami. Yeah, it sure sounds that way. I sound like that, you know, fortunately for the people of Miami and South Florida, they missed the brunt of the hurricane, and uh, hopefully they're – the power issue uh, will be resolved and they can get this game played uh, as scheduled and not have to scramble around and do all the contingencies and things like that that really would have put uh, not only the Dolphins but the Titans in a bind as well. Yeah, I think our thoughts and prayers first off go to those families that you know might be affected by the storm that's actually coming through. Shoot, though the Carolinas in there to boot, but the fact that they're able to play this game without any sort of contingency plan having to take effect possibly is a good thing, at least you know, for the ticket holders and people that are trying to plan on coming and seeing the event. Now, as far as the conditions, this is a lineman's dream, fellas. It's probably going to be wet. It's probably going to be damp. You know, maybe the fields are are affected by you know previous games and things like that. But yet, and still, it's going to be a sloppy game, of which you know the Titans have to limit their mistakes. So we'll see what happens. Absolutely, Brad. You hit on it. Thoughts and prayers to the families. And, of course, Jacksonville appears now to be the city in Florida that is in the eye, so to speak, of this hurricane. That is exactly where uh, some of the weather forecasts are predicting it might hit the most at this point. And, of course, Jacksonville has some very low-lying areas there. So, certainly, uh, the Jaguars, of course, a division rival. We hope that uh, everything turns out okay for the people of Jaguar of mm-hmm. Jacksonville and the Jaguars team there. Let's move on into other news this morning. And, uh, guys, it starts with the injury report where there's uh, several players that still have some bumps, bruises, dings, and could potentially miss some time on Sunday. And, Terry, kind of take us through the injury report and give us an update on Denora Searcy, Cody Riggs, Al Woods, Chase Amaro, and the rest of the MASH unit, if you will. All right, well, we'll start with the good news for the Titans, and that is involving uh, right tackle Jack Conklin. 
Uh, yesterday was not a full pad practice. They were just out in shells, and Jack Conklin went through a full practice with that shoulder stinger that he had, and uh, both he and Coach Mike Malarkey are saying that uh, he will practice uh, the rest of the week and should play on Sunday. So good news there. They will have Jack Conklin in the lineup with the rest of that offensive line. The news may not be so good elsewhere. Jason Morrow was limited again with shoulder injury. Uh, his availability is certainly up in the air for Sunday's game. And then three guys have not practiced all week. We know Al Woods is out with that calf injury, going to miss three to four weeks with that. And then Denora Searcy with the high ankle sprain and Cody Riggs with the hamstring injury. Both those guys have not practiced yet this week. Would be very unlikely, I would think, that either of those guys would be able to play on Sunday, having not done anything yet this week. Yeah, it's a good thing, though, the, the offensive line is playing with some relative continuity. Uh, even though they have injuries to deal with, I think they're still playing well enough to you know, establish the run game and keep Marcus Mario to protect it. I think that, obviously, when you're limited uh, with injuries or like that, maybe some of the game plan is curtailed at the pinch, too. As far as putting Marcus in kind of strenuous situations, I think that they'll take that in consideration and kind of keep it pedestrian a little bit, you know. They can't get off the field. Basically, have to stay on the field, convert third downs, and get off the field on defense. So hopefully those injuries won't play too much of a, of a factor into those scenarios. That's our current news. Let's move on into our game discussion, guys. And, Brad, I want to start with you because you teased at this in the opening statement about games being played at the Dolphin Stadium, and there's a pretty big one set to be played there on Saturday night. Miami and Florida State scheduled to play there at the Dolphin Stadium on Saturday night, and in your comments you mentioned it being potentially chewed up, being an offensive lineman's dream. That could well have a big effect because there will be no time literally between Saturday night when that game concludes at 10, 11 o'clock Florida time, and just a 10 to 11 hour window probably before the Titans and the Dolphins would then take the field. So that could certainly play a huge factor in this game as well. Absolutely. Remember conditions like that um, when TSU would play before us on a rainy day on a Saturday, it definitely would have an effect on the field. And I don't know, I can't remember the last time I was actually down there in Miami playing a ball game, but man, it can get really get swampy down there fast, especially with the type of grass that they have. So I'm sure their field crews are some of the best that are in Florida and can make sure that this, at least the game won't be marred too much by the conditions. But it's going to be something that they're definitely going to be aware of. I doubt that you're going to be throwing the football down the field with much regularity or consistency. So um, I think they're probably just going to try and you know, establish that run game and get after uh, Ryan Tannehill. Yeah, that would seem to be the best plan of action right there. I mean, you know, if the field is uh, you know, a little bit chewed up and a little bit beat up, from the college game being played on Saturday night, uh, certainly, you know, the Titans and Dolphins getting after it, like Brad said, that, that may be an offensive lineman's dream to play in the mud at the slop and, and just kind of impose your will and push those defensive linemen, you know, and not let them get any leverage and that sort of thing and open holes for your running backs. You know, it may not be a day where you want to throw the football much if it's, uh, you know, poor conditions, but uh, the running game, then that would certainly play into the Titans' strength. You're listening to Locked On Titans on the Locked On Podcast Network. Guys, i got a stat to throw at you, and this one certainly favors the Titans if this field condition is as bad as we think it could be, and that is the fact that the Dolphins for the season have allowed 27 first downs rushing the football through four games and have only themselves 
been able to gain 15 first downs rushing the football. So giving up quite a few first downs every game on the ground would seem to favor the Titans if you want to get into a run game, obviously, with DeMarco Murray, Derrick Henry, and the way this Titans offensive line has been able to run the football for the most part this season. Sure. Yeah, that is that is interesting. You know, I mean, usually you would think that the, the Dolphins, especially with the defensive line that has in Dominick Sue and Mario Williams and Cameron Wake, and I know those guys are known primarily as pass rushers, but still, those are pretty formidable names. I'm a little surprised that the Dolphins have given up that many uh, rushing first downs already this season in just four games. I think the surprising thing to me, though, um, is that the Miami Dolphins are probably going to be thinking about the Titans like we're thinking about them. The Titans have uncharacteristically given up 300-plus yards in the last like 13 games straight. So with that, you've got to be thinking that this is the Dolphins' opportunity to move the ball on us as well. So... I just kind of hope that in this isn't a situation where it's back and forth between these two teams, and obviously the one that makes the least amount of mistakes is going to be the winner, in my opinion. But you know, this is an opportunity for both teams to establish their offense because defensively both teams kind of struggle at times. Now, Brad, you hit on it. Obviously, mistakes, turnovers huge in this game. You can't fumble the football. You can't throw interceptions uh, when you do throw the football. But – to me, when you look at these two teams, obviously I think the team that runs the football the best in this game is going to be the team that comes out on top of things here. Am I crazy in that, or could this be a game where the team that actually throws the football the best perhaps comes out on top because both teams are going to, I think, put so much emphasis on trying to run the football at each other? I think that the, the sloppy conditions are going to make ball security an issue. And I think that when you look at turnovers, both for both of these quarterbacks, five interceptions respectively for both of these guys, putting it in the air is not a guarantee of success. So I'd say that, you know, probably if Aaron Foster were healthy or, you know, obviously the tandem of backs that they have down there, I think that, um, who is it, Kenyon Drake, T.J. I can't remember which one of them is complimenting Aaron Foster. But either way, you figure that they're going to be a healthy dose of whatever they're going to do offensively because they want to try and stay on the field. They don't want to give Marcus Mariota any chances or opportunities to score. And I think that, you know, likewise, the Titans are thinking the same thing. Ryan Tannehill can't put points on the board if he's staying on the sideline next to Adam Gates. So. Let me throw this at you, Brad. Is this the week that the Titans maybe turn Mariota loose on a couple of design runs uh, just to, one, get him some confidence and uh, get him kind of in a rhythm and, and get him going? I'm trying to figure out exactly what turn Marcus Mariota loose looks like in this offense, Terry, because um, the leading receiver on this team is DeMarco Murray. It's a running back, which obviously shows that they don't have the deep threats necessary for teams to really keep you honest. You know, they can basically stack the box and, and, and keep guys in there that can hamper the run game from getting off to a fast start. Plus, you know, the play-action stuff is under duress, too, because they've got so many guys that are, on, you know, basically at linebacker level. So... I think that just really downhill, under center, hand the ball off, see what happens between those guys, maybe get a couple of situations where you've got grunt formations with two tight ends, you know, but grind this rascal out. You know, there are style points in a victory, especially on the road in adverse conditions. So if I think that basically if those guys, Terry Rubisky, decided not to, you know, chuck the football around like it was a basketball game, it wouldn't be a surprise to me. And they could, if they can win it begrudgingly, it would be okay. 
Yeah, any win is a good win at this point in time when you're one in three going into week five of the season and looking to try to get something going. Now, let me ask you this, guys. There's obviously been some talk if you go on social media, and I know all three of us are on there, fans a little bit discouraged at this point in time, uh, perhaps parsing a little blame between the coaching staff and the way they've called some games and Marcus Mariota and the way he's played. Obviously, I don't think the Titans and Marcus is not even on social media. He's not seeing this, so these things are not necessarily affecting them internally. But perhaps is there something going on behind the scenes here maybe with this trying to, to work out things between Malarkey, Robisky, and Mariota where Marcus is more comfortable with the offense and can do some things and improve the way he's playing? Or are we kind of seeing what we're going to see from this offense throughout the remainder of the season? Well, I think the big thing is that the edict from on high was protect Marcus at all costs. You know, that came from Amy Adams' trunk, and that's part of the reason that Mike Malarkey has this job. Now, obviously the more you put Marcus in the shotgun and you open things up and you turn him loose, maybe the more you put him at risk for injury. So I think they're going to be careful. I think they're going to be prudent. I think they've got to do some of that, though, just to keep the opposing defense honest and keep them from stacking the box to stop the run, which is they know is what the Titans want to do first and foremost. You know, there, there are so many different things, Terry, Greg, that Marcus Mariota can do. Um, he's very accomplished at throwing the football. We, we see his deceptive speed. It's not even deceptive. People know how fast he is. I think, I think it's just really trying to find that fit, that most comfortable style for him, especially with what you've already seen as far as their commitment to running the football. They've got these two bell cow backs in there for a reason, but unfortunately I think that their style may be detracting on what will be the most advantageous situation for Marcus Mariota. Play action stuff, being in the gun, mobile pockets. You know, those aren't indicative of, you know, basically allowing the offensive linemen to put their hand in the dirt and really get after the defensive line. See? Um, so I think that, you know, basically trying to find a comfortable fit, trying to find obviously some weapons too that Marcus Mariota can use at his disposal would help him. Obviously a deep threat someone to kind of pull some of the people out of there, maybe have a, a two, uh, Tampa 2 situation where you got two high safeties because you've got a threat on, on the, uh, at X, you know, keeps you honest. And guess what? Delaney Walker feeds off of that. The running game feeds off of that. I think they just need to do a more diverse in their play calling and let Marcus Mario figure out which style he likes the best at this point. I agree, Brad. I think diversity is the key here. We need to see him, as the numbers bear out, he's completing 68% of his passes while in the shotgun with three or more wide receivers, whereas he's at right at 52% under center with less than three wide receivers. So I think we need to see some more of that with some quick release passes where he's throwing to a spot. He knows where the receiver's going, and the ball comes out in rhythm and on time to kind of get him going. Then you can come back and run the football a little bit more. But let me throw this out to you guys and I shared this with you last night I sent a text to you talking about PFF and their grading of the offensive lines they graded all 32 heading into week five of this NFL seasons and surprisingly the Tennessee Titans have the highest graded offensive line in the NFL up from 25th where they started the season all the way to number one through the first four weeks of the season Brad that's certainly a little bit of a surprise I think to a lot of people Yeah, actually, uh, when you look at how you know they made the commitment to get these guys uh, running between the tackles, and obviously the, the the investment in the draft, and you know how how high up they've actually picked their bookends, things like that, you can definitely see it paying off. Uh, the interior of the offensive line, 
Um, you know, that's where I think that they need to obviously pick it up. It's less consistent there because you have college free agents. You've got guys that have been waived. You've got guys that are unrestricted free agents that join this team. But essentially, when you look at the first-round commitments from both the right and the left tackles, it seems to be paying off very well. Yeah, it really is. And uh, in their individual rankings, I believe Taylor Lewis is actually ranked number one overall uh, at a rate of around 90. And uh, Jack Conklin, I believe, is number four overall. And, and to me, though, the surprising thing, you talked about the interior of the line, is that you know a guy like Quentin Spain, who was uh, battling just to earn a starting spot there at the left guard position all through camp and trying to retain that spot that he held at the end of last year, has also graded out surprisingly well. You would think of a guy who was a second-year undrafted free agent being able to come in and uh, – do some of the things that he's been able to do, but he's been very effective, especially in the run game. I think the Titans guys have their guard of the future, if you will, in waiting in Sebastian Tritola. Obviously, he was a draft pick last year, not a high draft pick, but this is a guy that's a mauler, a road grader type of guy. He's kind of getting that red shirt year, if you will, in the NFL where he's on the roster, he's practicing, he's learning, he's getting better. I think they have every intention of him him stepping in and probably taking over that right guard spot next year that's going to be vacated by Chance Warmack, obviously, who's probably uh, going to be a free agent and sign elsewhere. And then, of course, Josh Klein, if he's still on the roster, would be likely a backup at that point in time. I think that's Tritola's spot in the future. I think they also might look to address adding some more offensive linemen in this draft. Probably not high, but maybe fourth or fifth round guys that can come in and be what they want them to be and do as Tritola's done, maybe have a year of grooming and then step in and, and fix that interior more so, if you will, obviously inside the two bookends, the tackles that are both first rounders that are both playing well. Well, Greg, it's funny you mentioned that, and I'll throw this at Brad, but that's the old way of the Titans doing it. That's what they used to do when Mike Munchak was the offensive line coach. They'd draft a guy in the late round. You know, Benji Olsen is one that comes to mind. The guy would sit for a year. He'd learn. You know, David Stewart was the same way. And then all of a sudden, after a full year in the system, a full year of learning, there's a guy who was a low, a mid to low round pick, and all of a sudden he's ready to uh, start and be a part of that offensive line and claim a starting spot, and, and the beat just kind of goes on without, without any problems whatsoever. Yeah, I think that maybe real quick, um, you know, in 2010, they made an investment to get a true ground-pounding run blocker, and that would be Chance Warmack. Unfortunately, them not picking up his third-year option kind of says, you know, more about the future for him. So, um, obviously, they need to replace that. You know, they, they put a concerted effort to get somebody in the middle that can protect the passer and obviously provide some good run-blocking um, schemes. But uh, I think they might have to go back to the drawing board and get somebody else, another youngster, in that can actually help out. Guys, it's uh... – Time for us to move on to our prediction segment of the show where we tell you who and why we feel like somebody's going to win this game, obviously, on Sunday. We've talked about a lot of things. There are a lot of uh, X factors that can't really be known, obviously, going into this with the weather, what the condition's going to be, what the field might be like uh, with the game being played there ahead of it on Saturday night. But uh, we're going to take our best guess effort here. And, Terry, let's start this one off with you. Give us your prediction on what's going to happen on Sunday when the Titans and the Dolphins meet. Well, I told you after I picked the Titans to win uh – and then they didn't win in Houston, that I wouldn't pick them anymore. <laughs> but uh, I really do think this is a matchup that uh, 
can favor the Titans if they don't turn the football over. If they will protect the ball and do the things that they need to do on offense, they don't have to be spectacular. They just have to be efficient. And if they can get something out of the passing game, I think they're going to be able to run the football enough with DeMarco Murray to be able to uh, control the line of scrimmage, control the game, keep their defense fresh. I'm going to say Titans 24-23 to in an upset. I, I like that. The fact that I think that they're playing without confidence down there in Miami. Um, the fact that this team in Tennessee is still trying to figure some things out. Uh, I agree with you 100%, Terry. Um, I don't think that you do things that are too exotic. Yeah, I don't think that you do anything that can play into the turnover category and giving the ball back to the Dolphins. Uh, defensively, uh, this team has played very well in the regular season, shut down some pretty imposing figures on the other side, and I don't really see that many of them being on the Dolphins' side, so they can make plays defensively. Offensively, it's going to be a challenge. Um, we talked about with Jim Washburn, you know, the former uh, Tennessee Titans defensive line coach, going to have that front seven moving at a fever pitch. Um, I think it's basically going to be a, an opportunity for us to establish the run game, only for the simple fact that you don't want to try and pass the ball against this front four. You know, so I think that obviously they know that, and a healthy dose of Murray and, uh, and uh, Henry will probably be on par for the course today or tomorrow, Sunday. Any prediction <laughs> on a final score, Brad? Uh, yes, Titans 100, Dolphins 3. No, <laughs> um, probably it's going to be like Terry said. A grind well, they, uh, it's a good thing in your prediction that you did, that they didn't get the shutout, huh? There's a field goal in there, you know. They got close enough to score from a field goal distance. Um, I, I do say, you know, there's probably a low-scoring force up there. 17-14 Tennessee. I'm going to jump on the bandwagon, and I think, guys, this is the first week that I've actually predicted the Titans to win a game. I've been of the prove-me-wrong category so far this season, but I honestly think this is a very winnable game because of that stat I gave you a few moments ago where the Dolphins have allowed 27 rushing first downs in just four ball games. This is a Titans team that wants to, needs to run the football, and if the Dolphins have been giving up that many, I think the Titans can certainly take advantage of that and do some things themselves on the ground. Now, as you guys both mentioned, turnovers obviously are a key. You've got to hang on to the football. It's probably not going to be the best of conditions. It's probably going to be a slippery, wet track. But I think offenses have an advantage in those type of games when uh, you have slipping and sliding because the offense knows where they're going. The defense doesn't. They're guessing a little bit, reading keys, trying to get there. The Titans just have to hang on to the football, run the football, not make big mistakes, Got to cut out, obviously, the stupid penalties. You can't have the 15-yarders here and there that put you behind the sticks when you're trying to run the football and grind out a game. If you do that, I think they're going to win this football game. I'm going to give it a 20-14 to final score with the Titans getting the win in this one. Time for our final thoughts. Brad, we'll lead it off with you. Your final thought on this game on Sunday. Well, this is a chance for the Titans to really get their season jump-started. Um, and it's going to be a game where people are paying attention to it from a national perspective, one, because of the conditions that are obviously going to be plaguing this game, but two, people are still trying to figure out both of these teams respectively. You know, the Dolphins had a chance, they felt, you know, to maybe dethrone the Patriots this year in the East because of, you know, the absence of, uh, of Tom Brady for the first four games. But that didn't work out. The, the Patriots are still leading the division, and they're not playing that well down there in, Dolph- in Dolphin land. As far as the Titans, they got things to prove, too, going into their second season with Marcus Mariota and all the commitments that they've made through free agency to really establish the run game, this is the week that they can actually get it going 
and that's what they should do, especially with the conditions that are going to be present down there in South Beach. Terry? Brad, I think uh, my final thought on this game is that it's time for the Titans to get some sort of consistency with Marcus Mariota. They need to find their happy place in the passing game. And uh, I don't know if that's throwing to Delaney Walker more. I don't know if that's continuing to feed DeMarco Murray in the flat. But somehow or other, somebody's got to step forward and help Marcus Mariota. He's got to be, you know, precise in his footwork. And he needs one of those. I'm not saying he needs a 300-yard game, but he needs a, you know, 14 out of 20 day for 200 yards and a touchdown, and most importantly, no interception. I think that is the formula for victory for the Titans. Mm-hmm. My yeah, final, no turnovers, definitely, Terry. My final thought on this, and I'm going to steal a line from the late, great Al Davis, just win, baby. The Titans have to win <laughs> this football game. Obviously, you don't want to cheat. I don't mean that. But by any means necessary, other than, than that, to win the football game, do whatever it takes Play with that extra effort. Give whatever it takes to win this game because this team has to have a win in this one. They have to come home next week in a very winnable game against Cleveland and then the following Thursday a very winnable game against Jacksonville and build some momentum, stack some victories on top of these good days that they're having in practice. The team players have talked about that stacking days in practice, stacking victories. It starts with a winnable game in Miami. Go get it done, guys. I think they have an opportunity to do it. They've just got to go out on the field and complete it. That's going to do it for us, guys. Another great show in the books. Folks, enjoy the weekend. Stay safe. Enjoy the game on Sunday. And we'll talk to you on Monday morning again. You've been listening to Locked On Titans on the Locked On Podcast Network. You are Locked On Titans, your daily Tennessee Titans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99 cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa Know How. Napa Know How. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10-31-17. Thanks for listening to the Locked On Podcast Network, but why stop now? Check out the daily Locked On Podcast Network for your favorite college team. Find it right now in your favorite podcast app, and be sure to subscribe or follow so you never miss an episode. The Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.